From Olympic City and the home of Pikes Peak, this is the Automotive ADHD Show. And here we are rocking it on another great edition of the Automotive ADHD Show, heard around the world as a podcast and on the radio in Southern Colorado Saturday mornings. You can catch it on 91.7 KLZ, our voice of the Wet Mountain Valley. My name is Matt West. I am your host, your enthusiastic, perhaps overly enthusiastic gearhead of a host. I have a packed show for you today. We're going to talk about car ads that happened in that big football game thing over the weekend. You know which one I'm talking about. We're going to talk about some of the automotive ads that happened during that game and give you some of my thoughts on said advertisements. And, um, (laughs) One of them's a little unusual. We're going to talk about that. We're going to talk about how Ram's new EV pickup truck doesn't actually do what it says in the name of the truck. So we'll touch on that. We're also going to talk about why car designers use clay models, even in the world of computers, and why those models cost well over half a million dollars. Did you know that? It's pretty interesting. So we're going to talk about all of that and your car sounds on this week's edition of the show. Now, I had a great show last week with Wesley Kagan, uh, who was my guest. He is a YouTuber. He is an engineering enthusiast, um, and uh, he's got almost 200,000 subscribers uh, on his YouTube channel. So I joined him in Phoenix, Arizona. I made a trip all the way out there, joined him in his warehouse. We did the show from there. It was a whole lot of fun. If you missed the show, you can catch up on it. Never miss a minute. Of course, you can scroll back in your podcast feed and find it. And you can also find it now on video on YouTube and Rumble. And uh, if you watch the YouTube video, you'll probably notice that Wesley is sitting quite a bit lower than me. I I joked about this uh, on the show with him that we now will make this a tradition. We give the guest the low chair so that they're not confused with the the host. So the viewers know who the host of the show is. Anyway, it was really fun. It was great. Um, I had one job, which was uh, bring my camera equipment and audio equipment with me from Colorado and drive it to Arizona to go do the show with him. And obviously, I forgot the tripod for the camera, so I... um, What was I going to do? Drive back and get it? No. We stacked the camera, the expensive camera up on some boxes and then put Wesley in the low chair for the premium viewing experience. So uh, you definitely need to check that out. It was a great interview again. I want to thank Wesley Kagan for joining me on the show and uh, also for uh, giving me a place to sleep that wasn't outside. So that was... um, That was nice. (laughs) That was nice of him to do that. So um, anyway, by the way, we haven't talked about this in a while because uh, things have been kind of uh, kind of reworked with it a little bit. But the RPM Act, you know, if I am talking on this show that I am supporting the RPM Act. Now, things changed a little bit over the new year. Uh, we have a new Congress in session. There are new congressional representatives. Many of them are new and they need to hear your thoughts on what the EPA is doing. Because the EPA wants to ban turning your streetcar into a competition-only track car. They want to ban that completely. And the RPM Act is what's going to prevent them from doing it. And 
we don't want the EPA to get away with this, obviously. And the RPM Act, obviously, when you when you have the Congress change, we now have a new Congress and everything. They're going to start working through all their different things on their, you know, in their docket. They're going to work on all of this different stuff. We kind of have to start over again. In in some ways, we kind of have to start over again. We have to push it. We need to tell those new congressional representatives, especially um, the people who are first time congressmen and congresswomen. Um, who've just been elected, we need to let them know our thoughts, let them know why the RPM Act is so important and how the RPM Act is going to put a, put motorsports, grassroots motorsports, out of business. The Even the little companies that make your catback exhaust and things like that, the RPM Act, it protects them. And those companies would go out of business if they can't make money doing racing, their primary source of income, then how are they going to afford to do small volume numbers of catback exhausts for what, whatever car you have? That may not be their primary source of income. The motorsports might be. This is going to protect them. Uh, you can find out more by going to saveourracecars.com. And uh, in the future here, I look forward to maybe scheduling some guests around this as well uh, and perhaps reaching out to some of the folks uh, at SEMA and PRI to see if we can get them on the show. So we'll see. That will be really cool. Now, what I want to talk about here before we get into some of the other fun things during this show today, uh, including my thoughts on the uh, automotive ads and that big game, uh, before we talk about any of that, I got to talk about how center lock wheels are ridiculous. I'm coming out here. Center lock wheels are ridiculous. Change my mind because, um, and this is a hat tip to Kyle Hyatt from Jalopnik, who um, uh, posted a uh, an article about how there is a special tool now. If you are a Porsche owner, many modern Porsches have center lock wheels. So that is, instead of having multiple lug nuts in the wheel, you have uh, one big singular lug nut essentially just one lug nut and it's a very big uh nut that goes on the hub of the wheel and holds the wheel on there now where, where center lock wheels come from i'll give you some context first center lock wheels come from motorsports they come from racing because racing teams had discovered and this, this is they've been in racing for decades at this point now but racing teams discovered that it was quicker instead of changing you know several if you're going to do a pit stop and you want to change the tires um it was quicker having one big nut to put on and off than it was having multiple small nuts uh, to install and then reinstall subsequently, like how they do it in NASCAR still. Um, so they developed this technology, the center lock wheel. This has trickled down to consumer-level Porsches, which as much as Porsche tells you, uh, they are not true race cars, because if they were true race cars, they would be fitted with roll cages and all these different things from the factory and fire suppression systems from the factory and some of those other things. But they do get some of the racing technology including the center lock wheels. And uh, what what Kyle Hyatt from Jalopnik wrote uh, was about a new tool that has come out, that if you are a struggling Porsche owner after spending, uh, you know, hundreds of thousands of dollars on your, um, you know, GT2, whatever it may be, uh, 911, that you got to still physically, you know, manually take that that single locking nut off and then you got to manually put it back on and then use a gigantic breaker bar. By the way, these single locking nuts, uh, they have to be torqued to an insane amount of torque. Normally, your wheel lug nuts are like, what, anywhere between 
you know, 87, 88 to like 95 pound feet of torque, anywhere in that range, depending on your application. Uh, well, these center locking nuts are 443 pound feet. That's how much you have to torque them to. So naturally, that requires a gigantic breaker bar and torque wrench so you can get it to that 443 pound feet of torque. Well, this tool is like what 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 a company this company has designed is a tool now for those struggling Porsche owners who have to manually do their lug nut lug nut singular on their uh, very expensive Porsche and it's essentially a battery powered impact driver or not driver impact gun um so uh, you know, buzz it on, buzz it off, you know, that that sort of impact gun. And uh, there was a really technical uh, <laughs> explanation of it right there. Uh, but it's basically that with the special tool on the end that you need to torque the or to actually lock down the um, the center locking nut. And uh, how many times can I say nut in this episode? Uh, but it does that and then it tightens them to torque. So basically it's a it's an electric impact with a special tool on the end. And here's the kicker. It's $5,000. $5,000 for an electric impact with a special with a, a, a special socket on the end, essentially. That's that's essentially what this boils down to. Yes, I get it. it's a little extra special because it tightens them to the specific torque rating, which typically your normal electric impact, which mine's floating around somewhere, uh, here in my garage slash um, studio, but uh, <laughs> um, yeah, no, okay. Typically, you don't do, you wouldn't want to do, you know, however many ugga duggas of the torque wrench on your center lock wheels. That's probably not good practice. So yeah, I get this one's a little fancier. It'll do the correct torque spec, but that's still five grand for. Uh, I, I mean, look, what you really could do, by the way. Uh, if you wanted to save the money, which this is targeted at Porsche owners, so no, they don't want to save the money. But what you could do is just, you know, use your electric impact, your Milwaukee, you know, whatever brand, your Milwaukee or DeWalt, whatever electric impact. Uh, I just happen to say Milwaukee because that's the tool I happen to have, but they're all the same. Um, I'm, I'm ruffling some feathers with tool guys right there. But anyway, uh, you just buzz that on, but don't torque it yet. Just use that to, to put the nut on and then get the torque wrench out and then torque it. That's it. So you don't have to still manually put it on there. You just, you're just using the torque wrench for the torque part of it, which I feel like is kind of what it's designed for. So I don't know, but you know what? If your job is to convince Porsche owners to spend money on things they don't need, um, then I think you're doing very well in this world because you're likely making tools like this that plenty of Porsche owners are buying. Um, and uh, yeah, I mean, what can you do? What, what can you do? I, I'm just going to wait for Harbor Freight to come out with some sort of like knockoff of this. And uh, then I'll probably buy that. Not that any of my cars actually use center lock wheels because I'm not that cool. You know, what would I know? I'm not that cool. I don't have center lock wheels on my uh, crusty Corolla, which is sitting over there in the garage, nor do I have it on the broken S2000, which is sitting behind me now, which uh, if you're watching on video, yes, the video set, it is ever changing. This is a working garage. I do things in here. So typically, whichever car you see behind me, is the one that's broken at the moment. I got to do an axle shaft on this Honda, again, by the way. Uh, and then I also have to do um, brake pads. Yeah, cooked through the brake pads already. So what can you do? Now, hey, we got a lot of fun stuff to uh, talk about on the show here. We got some more things going on. We've got weird car ads in that football game that might have happened over the weekend. I'll tell you about that here. Coming up in just a minute. And your car sounds.
And now for how things work with an engineer. CVT transmissions. And that was how things work with an engineer. For more of how things work, go to patreon.com slash throttlewarrior. And here we are rocketed for the second half of the Automotive ADHD show. Those car sounds were courtesy of Josh Maldonado. I'm digging one out of the vault. Josh has sent in so many great car sounds. Uh, thank you, Josh, for doing that. And of course, that was uh, that was some fun stuff. Josh works on NSXs for a living. So how cool is that? That was one of them right there. Now, if you want to send those car sounds in, and you know you do, because I play them here on the show. It's not like you have to pay to get your car sounds on the show. No, you, you send them to me and I pay and I play them for free. Perhaps I should start charging for it. Maybe if I, no, I, I won't do that. I, I won't do that. That's going to stay free. Um, and, uh, and what you can do is send those car sounds in and you send them on the Facebook page, facebook.com slash automotive ADHD. You can like the page too while you're there. And then you can also email them. If Facebook's not your thing, that's cool. I get it. Matt at throttlewarrior.com. You can email me there as well. And I will play those car sounds here on the show. But not only do I play them on the show, you get entered for a chance to win some neat stuff. The automotive ADHD keychain, the sticker, which if you're watching on video, you can see it on the back of my laptop. It says, as heard on the automotive ADHD show. So that's pretty cool. Um, and... Um, so yeah, you get that stuff and a $25 gift certificate to an auto parts store. Every little drop in the bucket helps when you have a project car. So all of those things could be yours. I do the drawing for those uh, every month. I am delinquent on a drawing for this month. I know it. I know it. I've had people remind me. So uh, we're not going to do that right here. I'm going to actually do something, I think, a little special for it in the... Um, next episode of the show. So I'm just kind of, I'm just kind of holding out till then. So we'll see. We'll see. So we'll include some other fun stuff. I think I'm going to revamp it a little bit, but the point is you need to get those car sounds in. Um, also, I want to give a shout out before we talk about um, car ads that were a little odd and a little strange. Uh, I got to give a shout out to listener Chris, who wrote into the show on the Facebook page, again, facebook.com slash automotive ADHD, and sent in some really cool pictures. Um, he said that he enjoyed listening to the show while he works as a machinist operating a CNC that makes carburetors for NASCAR. So Chris makes billet aluminum carburetors that then get put on the 200-mile-per-hour machines that go around the NASCAR circuit. I, how cool is that? That is super cool. I love that. So, uh, Chris, thank you for listening to the show, and also thank you for sending those photos in. Now, if you want to see some of those photos, you can tune into the video. I'll go ahead and have those pop up here in the video, or you can check them out as well uh, on the Facebook page. So, super cool stuff. Thank you again, Chris, for... Uh, for sending all of that in and keep making those carburetors for, you know, fast cars and hot rods. I love it. <laughs> I love it. You, uh, you are playing a very critical role in the infrastructure that we need to make machines that go fast. And that is a very, very important job. So there you go. Now, um, I got to talk a little bit about some of the, um, there was a football game that happened over the weekend. Um, you might've heard of it. It's a, it's a pretty big one. Um, listeners of mine who uh, listen in other countries, I, I know there are many, 
uh, might not know what I'm talking about, but we tend to have the big finale football game, as you could call it, uh, in February, and it's widely televised. And ads that run during the game are uh, like $7 million an ad. It's incredible. And you're also probably wondering why I'm being extra cryptic about what the game is called. You might not know this, but um, the game that happens, um, the actual name is trademarked. So, and this is something I've learned in my job in commercial radio and doing things outside of this podcast. That's actually trademarked. So if I am in a venture that makes money, right? If, I, if I'm a commercial organization... I can't actually say the name of that game. And seeing as how I have the Patreon and you donate to the show, and at some point, one day I might make money. I make I might like maybe five bucks or something. I don't know. <laughs> but that being said, um, I, I, I best steer clear of the name should I incur the wrath of the corporate lawyers of the football world. So that is why I'm being uh, extra cryptic here. But you know which game I'm talking about. Uh, this is that one that some people watched and. I guess football happened during it. Is the is it really even about football anymore? Uh, you know, as someone, I'm not the biggest football guy. Uh, friends of mine will probably point that out. I'm definitely a big car guy, but I'm about 100% a car guy and this tiny little bit into other sports. Um, but but is is that game even... Is it even is it even about football anymore? Does anyone actually watch the big game because there is football happening? I, I don't know. I don't know. I feel like diehard football fans should actually be disappointed in some of the fanfare around said big game because like the football is such an insignificant part compared to, oh, there's the halftime show. And then you get the millions of people who just tune in to watch the ads. I mean, we live in such a such an interesting world that people tune in. Normally, if you're an advertiser, you put an ad out in front of a large you know sporting event in hopes that the viewers of the sporting event might watch your ad and might buy your product. Um, well, we have this weird dystopian version of that where people tune into the sporting event to watch the ads and then tune back out when the sporting actually begins. I, it's fascinating to me. It is truly fascinating to me. Uh, this, is, this, is, this is the world we live in. But that being said, um, every car maker, well, not every one of them, but a good chunk of them uh, decided that it would be prudent for them to um, put advertisements in the game. And uh, there were a couple of different ones. Um, Jeep had an advertisement, Ram had an advertisement, GM had an advertisement, and Kia had an advertisement as well. Uh, the Kia one specifically is one that we're going to highlight because um, it's a little it's a little different. I'm not sure they were actually advertising a car in it, but that being said, um, General Motors enlisted the help of Phil Werrell. No, sorry, Will Ferrell. There we go. I had to... <laughs> Had to get that right. They enlisted the help of Will Ferrell uh, and Netflix, apparently. They teamed up with Netflix, Will Ferrell, Netflix, to advertise cars. Uh, and, I'm, and, and it's all going in the EV trend. I will warn you, um, you know, viewer discretion be advised here that they all advertised EVs with the exception of Kia. So Kia might actually be the hero in this case. But then again, I'm not sure Kia was actually advertising an automobile. So we'll uh, we'll get to that. But here, I got I got a couple of sound clips. I'm going to share these with you. Um, and I'm only going to share a small portion of them. So again, the football lawyers don't come and, I don't know, tackle me, pun intended. So uh, here, check this out. This is a clip from General Motors ad with Mr. Will Ferrell and also Netflix in it. Check this out. General Motors is going electric, and Netflix is joining in by including more EVs in their movies and shows. It's the least they can do. So if you're going to get swarmed by an army of the dead, why not get swarmed in an EV? 
I said no biting. Or if you're being voluntarily kidnapped, why not be kidnapped in an EV? What's that scent? Is it pine? <laughs> okay, clever advertising. I'll 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 give him that. But um, to answer Will Ferrell's questions, that uh, would you rather be bitten by zombies in an EV or not? Uh, I mean, I would rather not be in an EV, and I would also rather not be bitten by zombies. Just to just to clarify. Um, but I honestly, I, I would prefer being in an EV in general to being bit by the zombies. But the EV and the zombies—that's going too far. I I couldn't handle that. Um, but also getting kidnapped. Well, why would you get kidnapped in a regular car when you could get kidnapped in an EV? And also, I'm sure there were references in this to television shows that I don't watch because I only watch shows about cars. But uh, I'm sure <laughs> like if, if you could pick a car to get kidnapped in, why not choose an EV? Well, again, the same thing as the zombies. I would rather just not get kidnapped in general than have to get in an EV. I think forcibly being put into an EV would also just count as being kidnapped. So I would rather not have that. But not to mention the fact that I think EVs are uniquely bad at being kidnappers' vehicles. Uh, because think of this, the EV is silent, right? It makes no noise. Follow my logic here. It's silent. It makes no noise. That means if you've been kidnapped and you're trying to scream for help as the car's driving down the road, people are just going to hear you screaming for help, and then they're going to come help you or something like that, or at least they would call the police. Um, whereas in an internal combustion engine car... It can be loud, especially if it's got a V8 and maybe some straight bites. No one's going to hear you in there. Literally, no one's going to hear you crying for help in a combustion engine car from your would-be kidnappers, especially if you're Will Ferrell and you've been kidnapped by, I don't know, it looks like space aliens. It's a TV show that they were, I, I don't know what, I don't know what show that is. I, yeah, <laughs> this shows my pop, pop, pop culture knowledge. Can't even say it right. That's how much I know about it. But, um, but yeah, I guess I'm maybe not helping the, whole internal combustion argument by saying that actually internal put combustion cars are probably better if you're a kidnapper, but um, I'm sticking with the argument. That's what I'm sticking with. Now, Dodge also had some fun stuff. Um, Dodge had a clever advertisement um, poking a fun at certain pharmaceutical advertisements that advertise for a certain medical condition um, that that shares uh, that that shares a name that rhymes with ED, but they're talking about they're talking about electrification. Trust trust me on this one. Listen to this. Are you excited about buying an electric vehicle, but worried that it could leave you unsatisfied? Then you could be one of many Americans concerned about premature electrification. Symptoms may include fearing you might not be able to last as long as you'd like. There was plenty of charge before, and sometimes it goes away. Well, yeah, sometimes the charge goes away because that's when the battery runs out on the electric pickup truck because it's cold. <laughs> um, yes, that's what happens when you run the electric car out. When you, you drive it far enough, the battery runs. Uh, no, no, I'm, I'm trying to I'm trying to like, you know, make this a more family friendly joke here. I really I really am trying. Uh, <laughs> oh, man. But you know what? Dodge says they have a prescription for that. And they say that is they. um new Ram REV, the Ram Rev. So they have showed their new Ram EV pickup truck. Now we knew this was coming. We knew this was coming. No one was surprised because um, Ford has the F-150 Lightning, as we know. Uh, Chevy has their uh, EV Silverado and the EV GMC Hummer thing, whatever that is, big stormtrooper on wheels. Uh, and um, yeah, you know, this is this is something we know. I mean, you know, the truck companies, the pickup trucks, they they want to electrify them. Um, obviously, some electric pickup trucks 
uh, are interesting and they are cool. I get I get all sorts of hate for hating on electric cars. I think electric cars are fun in some circumstances, though at this point I probably would rather be bitten by Will Ferrell as a zombie than ride in one. But that being said, um, they have a they have a purpose. Uh, I you know I have always said this on my shows that you know if we want to be a energy diverse uh, economy and energy diverse culture. Uh, we should have gas and electric cars. There's no sense in banning one in favor of the other one. But that being said, um, electric pickup trucks, Ram, obviously kind of debuted their Ram Rev. It doesn't roll off the tongue very well. But um, the problem I have with the Ram Rev is that they call it the Rev for Ram Revolution. And also it has EV in the name, so it's kind of a play on Ram EV. I get that. But by calling it the Ram Revolution... Um, the Ram Rev, uh, it just, um, let me put it this way. It can't rev. The, the, the truck can't actually rev, right? Like, hear me out. Like, the Ram revolution. There are no revolutions that happen in the engine of this truck. There's no revolutions per minute. It can't actually rev because it's electronic. It's an EV. There's just motors and, and batteries, and that's it. So how is it a Ram Rev? The Dodge actually named their truck something that it cannot do, that it physically cannot do. I guess you could count the revolution of the wheels as revs. If you're watching on video, I'm shrugging my shoulders here. <laughs> um, but by that by that logic, then all cars are, are ram revs. If they, They're only revs because the wheels spin. I would hope on your car that the wheels spin. Um, that's usually preferable. Uh, currently, pointing at the car behind me, uh, its wheels aren't doing a whole lot of spinning because I broke it again. But... That's, yeah. So typically you want the wheels to spin. Dodge, if we interpret Rev as being revolutions of, say, an engine, Dodge has named their truck the one thing it literally cannot do. And I don't see the marketing purpose in that. I really don't understand that. Um, but alas, they have done it, and their bid for publicity, because people will talk about it, uh, has worked, because clearly I'm talking about it on this show. So I guess we have um, we have succumbed to our corporate overlords at Ram, and hopefully the football lawyers are still steering far and clear from me. So uh, anyway, so yeah, the Ram Rev truck, uh, it's not surprising. It's not surprising that they announced it in the um, the uh, the super... Oh, uh-oh, uh-oh, I'm going to have to... I am actually going to have to bleep that. <laughs> I, 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 I made a slip up there. That's bad. That's bad. I can't. I can't do that. So um, anyway, uh, I am actually going to have to go back and edit it. What can you do? What can you do? But that being said, it's not as bad as Kia. Kia, I'm not really even certain they were advertising a car. Now, I don't have a sound clip from their ad to play right now. But but what their ad was about was about a dad with his wife and his infant child uh, leaving what looked like a hotel and um, and and le leaving this hotel and realizing that he forgot the baby's pacifier or the binky as it is called. And the name of this advertisement was called Binky Dad. So this is the Binky Dad advertisement. And it's a really bizarre advertisement, namely because they teased the ad initially with a post on social media of a pacifier just sitting on the ground and a Kia logo next to it, leading many um, followers on their social media to speculate that the ad was about forgetting baby somewhere and that the ad would include a new Kia feature to help you not forget your baby, which I'm told as a, uh, as a person who is 
um, not a father, uh, as, as I do not have children, I'm told that forgetting babies is a common problem. Uh, which, by the way, if that is, it's not good. You don't want to forget your babies. That's that's bad. You you don't, you, you really don't. Like, that's actually bad. But that being said, that left most people to speculate. That's what the ad was going to be about. And they were sorely disappointed when it was just about the dad forgetting the binky. But here's where this gets weird. because So he forgets the binky. Uh, and just because binky's fun to say. Uh, he forgets the binky. And then gets in his Kia Telluride, which is their SUV, named after a town here in Colorado, in my home state, um, Telluride, Colorado. Uh, prob- it's probably named after that. <laughs> I don't know many other Tellurides. But that being said, he gets in his Kia Telluride, drives around. The the world is suddenly staring at him. They're playing him on social media inside this advertisement. The news is talking about him. And he makes it all the way back to the house to pick up the binky and go back to the hotel to pick up his wife and baby. Um, and apparently he grabs the wrong binky. It's not the blue one. It's the green one. So the world ends and no, he goes back and gets it again. But the whole point of this ad left a lot of viewers confused. Okay. So there was a car in it, but he wasn't, they weren't really advertising the car. They didn't advertise any features of the car aside from the car's mere presence. That was it. Um, and that's because it turns out they weren't advertising the car. No, instead they were advertising and this, (laughs) honest to God, this is weird. They were advertising a petition on change.org. That's what this ad was really for. And going to the petition here, the petition is to have a new emoji added to the emoji index or the official emoji repository, whatever this is called. Um, the people who make emojis and standardize them that so they wanted to add a binky emoji to it and so this whole advertisement which let me remind you that 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 big game ads <laughs> I got myself again uh that big game ads um cost about seven million dollars they're about seven million dollars depending if you have a 30 second or a 60 second ad most people go for the 60 during the game i mean keep people there they're they're they're, they're riveted they're there for the ads during this rare occasion um Okay, so $7 million. Now, I just went to change.org here. I pulled up the um, the petition, which was started by Kia America, the official account. Yep, Kia America started this petition to have the binky added to the emoji keyboard. And do you want to guess how many signatures this has? Uh, we're now a couple of days after the ad aired. Um, and the, is 500, as of the time of recording this show, 500 and 79 signatures. That's all. That's all. They spent, let me remind you again, they spent $7 million on an advertisement that didn't even advertise a car to advertise for a new emoji, a petition no less, that got 579 signatures. The Super Bowl is viewed by how many millions of people? Tens of millions of people? It's one of the most broadly most watched sporting events uh, where they play sport ball in, in television. That's that's what they do. They play sport ball and they do it on the TV. And it's one of the most widely televised sporting ball events that happens. And they got 579 signatures. And it's not like I'm recording this mere minutes after the ad aired. We're days now after the advertisement aired. If I was Kia's ad department, I would consider that a flop. They didn't even get the signature, the, the, the petition. The petition, by the way... Um, has it, it, the goal was a thousand. The starting goal of the petition was a thousand signatures. Um, and that's only so it can be featured in more recommendations and promoted to other people, 
per change.org's policy. <laughs> they spent $7 million on an ad. Let me say it again. They spent $7 million on an ad that wasn't about a car for a change.org petition that didn't even meet the thousand signature goal. And it was televised in front of the world, or at least America. We think we're the world. So it was at least a televised in front of every viewer here in the United States. How, how is that possible? I, I, <laughs> I really don't understand this. Look, you would have been better off if you were Kia and you just wanted to get the emoji added to the keyboard. Um, you would have, you would have just been better off giving that $7 million to the mysterious emoji syndicate that regulates all of this stuff. I swear. What, what is the organization that regulates emojis? They're mysterious. They exist. They, 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 preside over even Apple and Google and perhaps all worldly governments. Um, and so you could have just bribed the syndicate with that $7 million and they probably would have given you your stupid binky emoji. That's probably what would have happened. Um, and you know what? You could have actually, you could have bribed them with the $7 million and then gotten a Kia Telluride emoji, a picture of the little car. They're a car company. Let me remind you, they're a car company. You probably could have just done that. That's what Ford did. Ford wanted to get the, uh, you know, the, Ford wanted to get its pickup truck, the F-150, as an emoji. That, like, the official thought that any pickup truck emoji is an F-150. That's what Ford wants. I mean, look, at this point, Kia would have been better off just doing that. So what can you do? <laughs> oh, man. I, I, I have a feeling that everybody in Kia's advertising department has been fired. They have been, they have been unceremoniously sacked from their positions uh, over this. Uh, I don't know if anyone, uh, like watching that advertisement, honestly watching any of the advertisements, there was even a Jeep advertisement. I didn't even get to that one. The Jeep advertisement um, was a Jeep that was driving around. It was a Jeep EV. Again, by the way, all the ads were EVs, except the Kia one, which was about a baby pacifier. Um, but the Jeep one, it was an EV Jeep driving around in nature, and there was dancing animals, dancing CG animals. Because who doesn't love dancing animals? I mean, I'm all for dancing animals. Um, so... Uh, Jeep did that, and then they finished off the ad by having the electric Jeep plugged into a mysterious charger at the top of a mountain. Why was the charger there? How did it get there? They did not answer that. Did the singing animals put the charger there? They also did not answer that. Um, so I, I, I don't know. That's, by, by the way, a bit fanciful. You see all these EV ads for off-road EVs now? And yes, enjoy your off-road EV driving through the woods and off-roading and doing all these outdoorsy things. Um and then you just plug it into a mysterious charger that exists at the top of the mountain. No power cables present. Not likely they would have underground power cables going above tree line and blasting through tons and tons of rocks to lay underground cables. No, it, it's a bit fanciful in my opinion. I don't think you will be finding when we have more EVs on the market, uh, when they gain a little more market share, uh, which uh, I, they may do at some point. I'm told that people like them. Uh, but... I don't think uh, we're going to be finding mysterious chargers at the top of mountains above tree line and all these other. I don't think it's going to happen. I really don't. Um, and uh, again, my best theory in this Jeep ad is that the singing animals put the charger there using whatever same witchcraft allows them to sing. That's probably what did it. So uh, <laughs> just a trend I'm noticing in EV ads. Um, I will say uh, my final decree, my final judgment on all of these big game ads, these game, these ads that happen during a sport ball game of significance. Um, my final determination, which ad was the winner? Which one won? I mean, Will Ferrell got eaten by zombies in the first one, which was pretty entertaining. Uh, that was the GM ad. Um, and he also got kidnapped in an EV too. 
Um, so, I mean, that's obviously, <laughs> that's a contender. Uh, the Dodge ad, but the Dodge ad, I swear the guy they had like being the spokesperson in the ad was the dude they normally have voicing their other ads. It's, he sounded familiar to me, but um, that one was funny. That one was definitely funny. A little bit of off-brand humor. You can never go wrong with that. Um, Jeep with the singing animals and the mysterious chargers. Mm, that ranks pretty low for me. I like singing animals, but the mysterious chargers, that that definitely put it beyond my uh, my threshold, uh, my suspension of disbelief, you could say. I can tolerate the singing animals, but the mysterious chargers appearing in the woods, I, I can't. I, I can't. I just can't pass that. That that's not not allowed. So, that being said, that leaves just one, which I suppose the Binky Dad Kia ad um, wins by default. Considering it was also the only ad not about an EV, well, I guess the Telluride has. Well, we're, we're gonna we're gonna overlook that. It was an ad about a baby pacifier, um, and it had a failed Change.org p- uh, uh, petition, and. Um, through that, um, I must give it the win by default. So um, uh, that was an unfortunate turn of events, but <laughs> what can you do? What can you do? Here we are. Here we are. Now, hey, some more fun stuff to talk about here. We're going to talk about, coming up after the break, how those clay models that car designers use cost over half a million dollars. It's nuts. We're also going to play more of your car sounds right here. At the Speed Council, getting things done fast is our priority. We do everything fast, from driving, working, sleeping, and eating. Someone help! He's choking! This is Tim. Hello. And by the time this ad is over, he'll have bicycled across the earth 69 times. Nice. Even if our name sounds unfamiliar, you know our work. F1? Pfft. Child's play. The world's first supersonic jet? Yep. That was us. Apollo 11, also us. The fastest animal in the sea? Hell, we even wrote the Wikipedia article. Fast. And we're so dedicated to speed that we've genetically engineered the world's first hyperspeed speed machine. With this scientific breakthrough, you can download your favorite automotive podcast a whole day early. How's that for fast? Patreon.com slash Throttle Warrior. Donate now. Download the show early and receive special perks. This message approved by the Speed Council and the Church of Fasting. Oh, yeah. Gotta love those supercharger noises. That is Devin's supercharged Volvo 240. I'm just going through the vault. I'm playing all of the greatest car sounds. Every car sound you send me is the greatest. But playing all of them, having really uh, a lot of fun with that. And uh, you can send those car sounds into the show. Have them featured on the show. Tell your friends, hey, my my car sound was on this show and you should listen to it. You can definitely do that. They'll probably go, yeah, wow, great. Yeah, that's cool. Good for you. But you know what? It'll make me happy. So uh, <laughs> that's uh, that's what counts. I mean, we're, we're doing this for my amusement, I suppose, which is better than nothing. And hopefully you enjoy it as well. Facebook.com slash automotive ADHD. You can send those car sounds into the show and uh, I'll play them on the show, which is fun. And I'm, I, I need them. I, and, or you could, you could do other great things too. I mean, there's uh you could obviously, you know, put them on a flash drive and tape them to, I don't know. Uh, let's see. I said a set of tires or something last week. I, I, you know what, you know what tape them to, uh, how about I'm thinking some, well, we said Fortunato 500 coilovers. So why not a set of Bilstein coilovers this time? For the uh, S2000. I think I will play your car sounds forever and for the uh, indefinite future 
um, if you do that. So, um, yeah, you can always do that, too. Uh, also, one exciting piece of news I got to talk about here uh, before we get into some other topics. Um, and this is great. So you recognize the name. Longtime listeners recognize the name Jimmy Ford from JimmyFordRacing.com, Jimmy Ford Racing on Instagram as well. Uh, he has just announced that he is going to be taking on the Pikes Peak Hill Climb once again with Bronkzilla, his uh, Bronco-based um, race car that is a complete custom chassis that that only shares its appearance with the Bronco. I can tell you very much, it's there's not a lot of Bronco left in it because it is rad. It is so cool. Uh, and he is going to be racing the Pikes Peak Hill Climb. Once again, I, uh, I'm i really excited for him. My plan is to get this, this show out there. We're going to get out to the Hill Climb again. We're going to have a lot of fun. I'm going to reach out to uh, Jimmy as well and uh, get some of his thoughts about getting into the race again this time for 2023. So I, I'm going to reach out to him. We're going to see if we can book him as a guest. That would be a lot of fun. I'd love to have him on the show uh, again to uh, talk about it, some of that stuff. And I can't wait to see him out there on the mountain again, ripping it. So that's going to be really fun. And uh, if you want to catch up on some of my Pikes Peak Hill Climb coverage of last year, it was really fun. Uh, I nearly froze to death. Well, in fact, almost everyone nearly froze to death. It was terribly cold. It was foggy. Um, all around it, it was challenging. But you know what? It was racing the mountain, and that is always, that is always fun. So um, there you go. Now, also, I do want to give a shout out to um, one of uh, my listeners uh, who who messaged the show uh, earlier this week asking about my opinions on Australian car culture and also uh, what they should do specifically with a uh, with a build that they're doing uh, with their father and uh, grandfather. Should they go supercharger? Should they go turbo? I said I was going to answer that question on this show, but I have to break my promise slightly. Because I am going to, um, I, I'm going to reach out to friend of the show, OBD One Kenobi Brian, mechanic Brian. He hasn't been on the show in a while, so I'm going to reach out to him and uh, get him on as well to answer your question. So yes, I am dodging your question for this episode of the show. I apologize for that, but uh, I'm going to go uh, extort some free labor. I mean, go ask some important questions to uh, to OBD One Kenobi and see if I can tie him to a chair and put a microphone in front of his face and uh, get him to uh, give uh, give you his thoughts on that answer, too. So you're going to get my thoughts and his thoughts. He doesn't even know he's already been voluntold that he's going to be on the show. So he'll be so excited to find out. I'm sure he will. I'm sure he will. Um, so anyway, so we'll get to your uh, we'll get to your uh, listener submitted questions uh, and answer that next week. So stay tuned for that. That's going to be um, that's going to be a lot of fun. Now, I promised that I would talk a little bit about these clay models. I'm sure at some point you have seen the clay models that automakers use when they are designing cars. These are often used for prototyping the car, for designing what it's aesthetically, what it's going to look like. And the clay models are full-sized, car-sized, you know, one-to-one -one scale models. And these are something that have been a trademark of the automotive design industry for, for decades. As long as there have really been cars People have been, designers have been designing them in clay before actually committing them to production. Now, why do we do that? Why do we do that? Now, namely, we do that, and more importantly, why do we do that now in the world of computer graphics, in the world of computer design, and also now in the world of virtual reality? I mean, as a designer, you can put a VR headset on 
and look at your model in true, you know, stereoscopic 3D with both eyes. You can actually see that. So why is it that manufacturers still use clay models? And they do. Not only that, these clay models cost many hundreds of thousands of dollars, often cresting the half million dollar mark for a clay model. Why is that? So uh, Business Insider um, and uh, d- did a really interesting um, article on this and a video on this. Uh, and I'll link it as well on the Facebook page. Um, they did a fascinating breakdown interviewing different key members of the automotive design world, the designers working for different manufacturers, different design houses, all these different things, and got an answer. Why are these so expensive? And apparently they're so expensive because of the thousands of hours that it takes not only to make them, to design them, to do all these different things, but all the revisions the designers have to do, all these different aspects of this. Not only that, full-size clay models only feature, they say, about $20,000 worth of materials, which that's a lot of clay. And obviously the car's not, the clay model car is not made out of solid clay. That would be far too much clay and probably far too heavy. It'd probably weigh several thousand pounds. Uh, probably, well, probably a lot more than the actual car. <laughs> probably weigh like 10,000 pounds or something ridiculous. So no, they build them on a wood frame and then they go from there. But what's also interesting is that it's $20,000 of materials and then you've got all the labor and design time of the designers and all these things, which that's not a cheap process by any mean. I mean, look at the salaries of those guys. They make a lot of money. Um, and it's time over time, revision over revision. But now they don't even use... Um, full-time at least, they don't even initially sculpt the car by hand. They're not starting with a big fat block and just sculpting it down into being a car. They're starting obviously with the wood structure and then they're putting a bunch of clay on this wood structure and then having a robot do the sculpting. And this is interesting. When you watch the video, um, you get a really good uh, you get a really good view at what this looks like. It's a robot arm with a little milling tool and it goes around and precisely mills every little detail and design into this. And then the designers come in and hand finish it. They make it smooth. They make it nice. They make little tweaks and changes. Um, and they believe, and so much of the, uh, some of the, the people they, they interviewed, uh, Business Insider interviewed for this piece, uh, said they don't believe that the clay models are going anywhere. They're not going away in the automotive industry. They said that even though you have virtual reality, right, you've got, designers who can make changes to the, the the design and they can do it by hand as if they're sculpting it in virtual reality with a headset on the headset's a couple hundred bucks and you got the software and that might be a couple thousand dollars all all in that's certainly not half a million dollars versus the clay model so you would think well we've got this computer technology the clay models are clearly obsolete they're going away the designers said that no matter what even when viewed in virtual reality they don't get the sort of scope and the sort of perspective that you would have on actually seeing the car with your own eyes, to see it physically. What is it going to look like when it's produced? And they say, because of that, the clay models are never going to go away. They're always going to be expensive too, with thousands and thousands of hours and changes and revisions and hand sculpting. After the CNC robot does its thing and sculpts the car, the designers come in and make their little changes and do little things. And I think it possibly also makes the designers feel important and sophisticated. Yes, look at me. I'm I'm doing an important job and I'm making changes to this car 
in person. I, I think it gives it probably gives the designers a sense of yes, I have an important job, a sense of fulfillment. But there's also, there's also a cool job. I mean. Anyone who's a car designer, in my opinion, has a cool job. I would love to do that. Aside from the fact that I can't draw a car to save my life. I mean, I could draw like a Volvo 240, but that's not really, that doesn't, that doesn't count. <laughs> a five-year-old can draw a Volvo 240. In fact, five-year-olds innately are born with the ability to draw Volvo 240s. Um, that being said, uh, I think it's absolutely fascinating. This video is a, is a must-watch. Like I said, it'll be linked on the page. Um, you just got to watch it. You know, I could tell you about it. I can tell you all these different things. But seeing some of these different clay models and what's cool is for this piece, Business Insider got footage from a bunch of different manufacturers. Uh, there's BMW in there. There's Toyota in there. There's a bunch of them. There's Ford for what that's worth. Uh, and there's all these different ones. You kind of see these clay models of cars you already know and recognize. Um, and it's also fascinating too the facilities where they have to you know, have these clay models stored, that adds up into the cost. Uh, not only that, these are secured facilities. They say some of the, the security and the top secret type of clearances you have to have to have access to these design facilities where the next generation of cars are being sculpted in clay, at least the, the, the visual aesthetic of them. This is before you get into some of the powertrain design. But the fact is that these places are under such tight lock and key. They even said that they're, they're, Security requirements uh, rival that of the military in certain areas, uh, you know, and how how they scrutinize people who come and go from the their facilities. So because uh, it probably would be detrimental to have your trade secrets leaked in form of clay or, or whatever. But uh, what's also cool um, and I, I'm just again, I'm just fascinated by this. One thing they do, um, they use a type of plastic material. Um, to cover the clay models with once it's done being sculpted, like once they're actually happy with how the model is sculpted and how it looks, um, they take a plastic material, kind of like a vinyl wrap on a car, but but thinner and more pliable, um, and actually cover the clay with this this material that makes it look like it's actual paint. That's why when you sometimes see these concept cars um, that are just the models, you know. Uh, they might actually be the clay model just wrapped in this material to look like paint. And then they 3D print all the little other plastic parts, the clear plastic parts to make it look like the actual production car. The whole idea with this is making something that looks as close to the actual production one as possible. That way the designers, not only the designers, but the executives, the people in the company can see it, get their eyes on it and actually know, wow, this is the car we're going to make. Um, I think that's just super cool. And uh, one day I, I aspire to um, bribe some auto designer to uh, come onto my show and talk about auto design. I'm sure that would be a fascinating conversation, especially for the audio only side of the show, talking about automotive design in a non-visual <laughs> non format. But you know what? That's a challenge I am willing to accept. So, hey, there... There you go. That was a fun show. Today was a fun show. I had fun with it. I had a lot of fun watching those those advertisements that aired in the sport ball game over the weekend. Uh, I watched them. So if you didn't watch them, you don't have to. That's why I watched them. So <laughs> there you go. That was a lot of fun. I do want to thank you for joining me on this edition of the show. And uh, of course, uh, you can find this show wherever fine shows and I suppose, you know, this one are downloaded. I want to thank Chris for sending those photos in earlier of the um the carburetors he builds, the carburetors he machines. Uh, that's too cool. M machining billet carburetors for NASCAR. 
What a job. Chris, thank you for doing that. Thank you for listening to the show as well. Um, now, I also want to thank uh, the folks on the Patreon, as well as uh, Colin Schrom, who is now a new member of the Patreon. Colin, thank you for joining the Patreon. You can also join it, get early access to the show. Go to thespeedcouncil.org, thespeedcouncil.org, and subscribe to this show. Give it a rating on Spotify, wherever fine podcasts, and this one are downloaded, and I'll see you right here, same time, same place, next week. Next week.